Nash first saw her as an apparition, a gilt London trinket set down by mistake at a dusty crossroads three miles north of town. A straw bonnet atop a travelling suit of thick French silk, perched on the largest of those seven mismatched trunks he'd later had to find space for in his life. But on that odd, chill May afternoon, he'd needed to make room for them only in his wagon. Lost your carriage, miss. The green of her two wide eyes seemed to drink him in, but the corner of her two full lips puckered down. Did his coat not meet her standards? It was good Manchester cotton, but cut for comfort, not frills. Or was it his ill-behaved hair, far too curly for this humidity? He broke her gaze to check the skies. Rain, but a half hour away yet. Served her right to get sodden through if she looked so askance at a worthy mode of transport. The letter said the stage should drop me here, and someone from the castle would fetch me. She looked up the track, the document clutched in her glove, hope drooping like her forlorn skirt. That decided him. Fine-drawn females should not loiter in the fields alone, especially not in these times. And here I am, he said, casting a leg over the side of the wagon to climb down from its seat. She stood, an alert little rabbit, mouth twitching, slimmer than he thought, and chin height at the most. But you come from town, she said. Aye, and I'm not a fancy carriage, but I'm going the right direction. You've been waiting these five hours or more if you took the daily coach. Shall I leave you and trust someone else to divine your presence? Or do you dare take advantage of one of the few conveyances that can readily carry all this baggage? She rocked back on her heels and swung her arms up. He was sure she was going to slap them onto her hips, but the lady's training caught her, and she hesitated, dropping her hands into the pose of a prim schoolteacher instead. First point to her, then. He could fight fair. How far to the castle? Straight, not three miles. In or out. She released her hands with the same tiny gesture of surrender he'd seen French sailors use after he'd boarded their ship. Even score. She gave him wide berth, but wasn't above taking one handle of the largest box. Together they hefted it into the wagon, pushing his cargo to either side. The paper wrap had torn on one of the bolts of cloth, showing a swathe of dark blue. She reached for it, stroking as if she couldn't help it. Is this silk? Frenchy trade like what you're wearing. She snatched her hand away. You sound as if you disapprove. Bad bargain on my part. Nearly a fatal one for his fledgling trading company. Mancunians prefer local-made silks, and they'll look sideways at the likes of you, too, half mourning or no. Is that all that's in here? He slapped a palm on the nearest trunk. Everyone in Bath buys their fabrics from France. We're not at war, and it's better quality. You're behind the times, miss. Manchester matches their best and beats it. So says the man of sales. She followed him to the front of the wagon and held her hand out for him to help her up to the bench. Then she saw the anger on his face and put her hand on her chest instead. He forced his mouth into a grimace of a smile and willed his tone to be light. I may be a lowly man of business, sure, but I also serve for a magistrate for this town, and I was born to Shaftesbury. Then it's welcome home for you as well.
she used the bend for a handhold, fortunately for him, as he was shocked to a standstill. He never called that bloody dungeon of a castle home. Why had he now? And what did she mean as well? He didn't know her, and she would be hard to forget. Before he'd gained his seat, she'd already changed the topic. You are fortunate the Quins will take your silks, then. He tugged the reins a bit too hard, and his pair lurched into motion. Her shoulders swung back, her hands reaching past her hips to the wood of the seat to hold her steady. Served her right, her smelling like sunlight on grass, yet biting sharp as any asp.